Section 10 of Hildebrand and His Times by William Richard Ward Stevens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 7 The First Six Years of the Reign of Henry IV, 1066 to 1072. The power of Archbishop Adalbert reached its meridian in the summer of the year 1065 he and the young count werner were constantly about the king and disposed of all offices secular and ecclesiastical according to their own will and pleasure the vanity avarice and ambition of the primate grew with prosperity and his unpopularity naturally increased in the same proportion on bremen he bestowed great gifts and privileges and in the magnificence of its buildings the town might be compared with Köln but the cathedral chapter was heavily taxed to support the archbishop's costly undertakings and his rare visits to his see were dreaded rather than welcomed because they were always accompanied by a demand for money nevertheless he lived on unconscious of danger surrounded by his parasites who extolled him as the patriarch of the north and predicted that he would one day be pope but the storm clouds had been piling up and were soon to burst adalbert maintained that the king had absolute rights over the royal abbeys and in the spring of ten sixty five he persuaded henry to let him seize the revenues of lorsch and corbey and tried to bribe anno into acquiescence by promising to get the rich abbey of malmedy for him but the houses of lorsch and corbey obstinately and successfully resisted these acts of spoliation and the indignation and disgust of the nobles became so strong that they forgot for a time their personal jealousies in a determination to put down adalbert at a diet which met at tribur in january ten sixty six and was attended by archbishops anno and siegfried otto count of bavaria rudolph of schwabia and many other nobles and prelates the king was offered the choice between banishing the archbishop of bremen or abdicating the throne he tried to evade the hard alternatives and adalbert formed a plan for their escape by night but it was detected and frustrated he himself however contrived to fly from tribur on the following night and made his way to bremen leaving the king to confront the nobles as best he might henry was in fact as much a prisoner in their hands as on the day of kaiserswerth but he was no longer a child and he had no intention of submitting tamely to any one least of all to anno and his associates nevertheless for the next three years ten sixty six to ten sixty nine the administration of affairs was conducted mainly by the bishops in a kind of rotation the acting bishop being elected by the nobles and the archbishops and subject to their supervision the primates and the nobles seem to have kept on good terms with rome a bull of alexander's ratifying anno's foundation of the monastery of siegburg is full of compliments to the archbishop siegfried of mainz also obtained the pallium and in an obsequious letter to alexander in the spring of ten sixty six he entirely concedes the right of the pope to bestow both the royal and imperial crowns as the crown of our kingdom 
and the diadem of the whole roman empire has been given by st peter into thy hands we beseech thee ever to have our lord king henry in good remembrance and as thou hast hitherto upheld him with thy counsel and deeds so we pray thee to continue to uphold him with apostolic constancy even to the time of his imperial coronation certainly hildebrand could not have wished for a more positive recognition than this of the papal right to set up and depose kings and it is clear that from this date the german nobles having yielded to the roman church the right of electing the pope were extremely anxious to obtain from the pope the imperial crown for their king unless this was gained it was obvious that the position of the pope as an independent power in italy would be immensely strengthened to the detriment of german influence under the administration of the nobles a stop was put to the lavish waste of royal property and the rich abbeys which had been bestowed on adalbert were surrendered anno however with characteristic craft kept possession of stablo and malmedy the fall of adalbert and the death of count werner who was killed in a private brawl enabled him to become again for a short time the most commanding figure in the state in the presence of anno in the council the young king sat petrified and mute while the archbishop spoke for him but this season of submission was short-lived henry detested anno and his proud and passionate spirit fretted under the galling yoke of subjection to the nobles although from prudence or fear he dissembled his feelings for a time the first open quarrel was about his marriage with bertha to whom he had been betrothed for ten years the nobles insisted that it should now take place bertha was young and beautiful of amiable disposition and irreproachable character but henry had contracted licentious habits and he fancied that bertha who had been brought up in germany was the mere nursling and tool of his tyrannical guardians he sullenly consented to the marriage which was celebrated on july thirteenth but he refused to live with his wife and three years later in a diet held at Wurms, whitsuntide ten sixty nine he boldly declared his intention to be divorced he had secretly informed siegfried of mainz of this determination and the crafty primate had promised to support him on condition that the king would help him to force some refractory tithe-payers in thuringia to pay their dues the nobles were dismayed at the announcement made by henry he did not indeed bring any accusation against his poor blameless wife but simply declared that his aversion to her was invincible the council postponed a decision on the matter to another diet to be held in the autumn at mainz and meanwhile the opinion of the pope upon the question was to be obtained during the summer henry was occupied in putting down a rebellion of the margrave d'edie who tried to seize the thuringian fiefs belonging to archbishop siegfried and the king d'edie had reckoned on the support of the thuringians but he was disappointed alarmed at the size of the force which henry had mustered the thuringians joined his side and by their aid the rebellion of the margrave was crushed notwithstanding which henry compelled them to pay the disputed tithes to the archbishop of mainz the vigour and promptness with which he had acted in these affairs 
raised the reputation of the king and the nobles could no longer doubt that they had to deal with an able and strong-willed sovereign henry perhaps hoped that he should now be able to have his way about the divorce but on his journey to mainz he heard with dismay that peter damiani was going to attend it as papal legate he knew what he had to expect from such an austere upholder of ecclesiastical discipline at first he withdrew into saxony then yielding to the entreaties of the nobles he determined to face his fate but shifted the place of assembly from mainz to frankfurt ten sixty nine the archbishop of mainz had been deputed by the council at Worms to represent the king's case at rome he had long wished to get a papal decision in favour of his claims to the thuringian tithes and he thought he saw his opportunity he hoped to get the tithe dispute settled by legatine authority and to evade all responsibility in the matter of the king's divorce but he was grievously deceived peter damiani in the council of frankfurt announced that if the king put away his innocent wife the pope would inflict upon him the severest penalties of the church and withhold the imperial crown the tithe question was not settled and siegfried was threatened with deprivation if he dared any more to countenance the wicked intentions of the king the archbishop and the nobles urged henry to yield dwelling more especially upon the great mischief which might be done to the kingdom by the powerful kinsfolk of the queen in burgundy and italy at last henry gave way he invited the queen to meet him at goslar he not only conquered his repugnance but became sincerely attached to her and in the bitter calamities and distresses of his after-life she was his constant companion and comforter their first child conrad was born in august of the year ten seventy one peter damiani took back a favourable report of the young king to rome but he drew the darkest picture of the shameless licentiousness of the german nobility and of the corruption of the church the decrees against simony and clerical marriage were everywhere notoriously defied hildebrand and the pope resolved to make examples of offenders in the highest rank archbishops siegfried and anno and hermann bishop of bamberg were summoned to the easter synod at rome ten seventy to answer in person the charge of simony their guilt was clearly proved money had been taken for ordination benefices had been bought and sold the bishop of bamberg indeed had actually bought his bishopric these great prelates were thoroughly humbled siegfried even offered to resign his dignity and retire into a monastery but it suited the policy of the pope and his advisers better to permit them to retain their offices under a promise on oath of amendment and of submissive obedience to the roman see on their return to germany they edified the world by the spectacle of their extreme piety and especially their devotion to the monastic orders siegfried went into retreat at cluny anno performed the menial officers of a servitor in the house which he had founded at siegburg hermann induced a count of the same name to found a monastery at Bons, and removed secular canons for monks in his own cathedral at bamberg the prelates however who had returned from rome so seriously discredited could no longer presume to be the directors of the king and adalbert of bremen 
once more emerged from obscurity and nearly recovered his old position at court the humiliation of the great bishops nearly coincided with the death in 1069 of the most powerful noble in the empire duke godfrey of lotharingia godfrey was a man who had been feared by all and trusted by few the hildebrandists owed much to his support yet there were times when his dealings with the normans and the antipope had filled them with apprehension and suspicion godfrey surnamed hunchback his son by his first marriage had wedded matilda the daughter of his widow beatrice by her first marriage he took the title of count of tuscany and duke of spoleto but he cared little for his wife or his italian possessions which he left almost entirely to the management of matilda and her mother they were intensely devoted to the cause of the pope and hildebrand and thus the death of the elder godfrey although it removed one who might at any time be dangerous to the german throne also weakened the hold of germany on italy and the pope at the same time the german kingdom itself began to be distracted by the internal strifes and wars from which it was never delivered during the whole reign of henry the fourth when he took the government into his own hands a twofold task lay before him to enforce the supremacy of the crown over the nobles and to reduce the saxons who had never been thoroughly subjugated to submission in the summer of 1070 otto duke of bavaria perhaps the most powerful of the nobles next to duke godfrey was accused of treasonable designs it is hard to say how much truth there was in the charge many circumstances were suspicious but he had bitter enemies at court and he had been concerned in the abduction of the king at kaiserswerth he was pronounced guilty by a council of saxon nobles and his lands were forfeited to the crown after resisting in arms for a year otto surrendered and was leniently dealt with being released after a brief imprisonment and having most of his lands restored to him but not his duchy the relations however between henry and his nobles became more and more strained he disliked and distrusted them and bestowed the chief offices of state upon his own personal friends many of them nowise distinguished by birth or territorial wealth the people complained of the insolence and oppression of these creatures of the crown and the old nobility resented the intrusion of adventurers into positions to which they deemed themselves to have a prescriptive right when the king began a system of castle building in saxony and thuringia and filled the castles with armed garrisons alarm was added to indignation rudolph duke of swabia who had married a sister of queen bertha became the leader of a strong party of disaffected nobles who sullenly held aloof from court and were ready to excite or lead rebellion in any part of the kingdom the death of archbishop adalbert in 1072 and the retirement of anno in shame and disgust from all active share in state affairs removed the last counsellors of the old school who had retained any influence over the king men knew not whither his unbridled impulses would hurry him and there was a general feeling of uneasiness and vague apprehension end of section ten